So today we have Henry Koge with us. Henry is the um, Assistant Professor of Leadership, Education and Management at the University of Nottingham. He also holds a PhD in the same subject and he is the Founder and Director of Teach Connect. Henry, welcome. Thank you very much, Jensen. Um, Henry is, is, you know, part of why you're here and we're honoured to have you here is that you exemplify for, for what we at Momentum think of as someone who is resilient. And I'd like you to, to start by sharing something of, of your story, where you've come from in terms of your home, and just bring us forward from that point. All right, thank you. Um, so the starting point for me in this journey has been my upbringing, <coughs> and particularly for my mother. So my mom was, uh, she, by the way, she was a single mom. Uh, she, she raised me from childhood. She was an educationist. And one of the things I liked about her was she was like the breadwinner of the family. She, she was struggling to make things work. And despite all the circumstances around her, she had to always find a way to actually get things done. And so I grew up with this mentality about setting specific goals and, you know, attending them, uh, regardless of the circumstances around you or the challenges, because the responsibilities behind you and the people you had to look out for uh, kind of reminded you that someone had to be tough about you know what was going on. So building resilience for me started off at a very early age because I grew up with my mom, uh, which is the two of us, and, and she was taking care of the entire family. And so I was more like a support system for her. And so I kind of observed her, you know, do all these things and raise up and become somebody who created a lot of economic values for herself that could, could share with her family. So my own journey started off when I took off from the university and felt to say, oh, I wanted to change the education system. I wanted to change the way children were being taught in schools. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see how we could actually create an opportunity where everyone had access, because I believe with education, you can make better decisions for your life. Yeah. You can transform not only your economic value, but your, your social reality, your cultural norms. You can enhance your life generally with the information you have. So for me, it was about the vision. It was about what do you think could be done and how do you think you could reach this? And so I thought I said, okay, I need to craft a pathway. Okay. And quickly uh, on. I'm just going to stop you there for a second because you, you've gone too far. Too far, too far. So I, I'm still with, with Henry, the assistant professor to his mother. Yes. And, and you had to, to, to learn to, to take responsibility very early on. Yeah. Um, and what age were you then? So I think I, by then I was 9, 10. So by nine. 9, 10, I started having, you know, I had the responsibility to go out to the market to sell stuff, to raise money for my tuition. Right. I had the responsibility to stay home and prepare food, you know, and clean the house, organize the house while my mom went out and searched right. for, for better opportunities. I had the responsibility to actually go into places where she was supposed to have been, but she couldn't make it. So I'll go and represent her. So very early on, I started getting used to the idea of being around old people. You know, they had meetings and I was You, you mean older, not old. <laughs> 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 older people, like, yeah, what I mean by old, yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, people who were like, you know, at the age of, in their 50s and 60s, and I'll be in that gathering. And, right. you know, so it kind of gave me some kind yeah. of And that was exposure. from the age of 10. That was on the age of 10, 11. And what, what would you be representing your mother as? So it'll be... It's like contains, so you kind of get money where you play money, monthly contributions. 
Right. So what they'll do is they'll have a, a garden in someone's house where they'll all come together, you know, share food and then, you know, share some kind of information, some news, some kind of, I don't know. And then they'll, you have to play your own part of the contribution. So my responsibility was to collect her own contribution and go and represent her so she wasn't absent. And I'll take that information to her. Like an ambassador. Exactly. So I was like a general support system, you know, angles of her life, actually. Right. Now that, that's um, a huge responsibility for a 10-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Apart from um, doing, doing the cooking and doing the shopping as well. Well, well, in Africa, I think it's normal. If you if you grow yeah. up in Africa, where you guys have to yeah. find, you need yeah. to do something about it. Needs must. Uh, yes. There's a recent video I saw. One child in an African country was picking up a, a log, yes. and he was struggling to pick up that log, and he kept trying and trying and trying until he succeeded. I think that's the, that represents the, the daily struggles most Africans would go through mm. in their communities. And was that kind of for you? I guess normal. Because it's normal. It is normal. Yeah. No, you have no choice. That's yeah. that's the reality. Yeah. You had yeah. a brave choice. You stay down complaining and crying. Yeah. And you were there also. You said something about selling stuff yeah, in, the, in the in the market yeah. to pay for your education yeah, to make that contribution. Um, and that contribution was for your primary education. Was for my was to complete my primary and my secondary to move into my secondary education. So right. to go into college okay so just talk us through the, the next level then or the next steps for you oh well, the next level was it's been more challenging because then i started realizing that there was, an, there was a lack in my life there was an absence and that absence was a father figure someone i could model someone i could leave like so i went to boarding school yeah and in boarding schools on weekends or special weekends you have parents come and visit your kids Mm -hmm. uh, my mom couldn't come and visit me because it's, it's a long distance and she had all, and, and even if she came, she would just be her. Yeah. And I still have this absence of this father. And so I became aware when I started seeing other people, other children mm -hmm. having this experience of a balanced family and stuff. Uh, but what also transformed my life during that stage for me for that seven, those seven years was the fact that um, the school principal actually took interest in me at some point. Yeah. Uh, I was I was at the end of my my stay at BHS Boyas, but it's a Baptist high school. I was I was made a prefect, mm -hmm. and the reason why I was made a prefect is because I applied to be a prefect. I applied to be a works prefect, and I think in a school of over nine hundred kids or students, I had three votes, and so he was intrigued. Like, why would this kid have just three votes in massive school? Yeah. And they said they didn't like him. They said why why people don't like him? See, he's too strict and too disciplined. <laughs> And he said, okay, that's the person I need to, to run the refectory. So he actually made me a repertorian. Uh, and then everything just changed. And so that's where I started my journey with leadership as well, understanding how to manage time, manage people, manage resources yeah. and yeah. stuff. Uh, but it, it taught me one lesson about leadership because at the end of the year, we're now left to actually write the GCSE, which is an advanced level. Mm -hmm. And the people had spent time being very straight and hard on I had to spend time nurturing and taking care of them so they could become, they could actually have the right mental yeah. state, the right feeling, yeah. the right... Yeah. And so I kind of saw the dynamics of leadership and governance of control quickly shift from you being the disciplinarian, you being the person directing, from you actually being accommodative, being empathetic, being supportive, yes. being nurturing. Yeah. So there's a conflict there for me. Yeah. And so I went off from there to university and started developing yeah. this further. Okay. So... That's interesting that you say you, it's like 
the one who got the least votes yeah. won the competition to be prefect. Yes, because there was somebody who saw something. Because somebody saw some value in what you're doing. Yeah. And and that that is, is amazing in itself. But I guess for that, that teenage Henry and you say it's like you you you're like cracking the whip in it one was, hand and you're giving them the hug on the other hand. No, at first it was I was at first it was all about cracking the whip. It was like you're supposed to do this, you're just gonna do this. Yeah. And no excuses, just it's more like military training. Right. Because that's how my mom also raised me up. I think, I, and I think last night I was thinking that we reflect our parents a lot. We kind yeah. of grow with them. We kind of replicate them unconsciously. So where, where, where did this nurturing, empathetic bit come from? So that's what I'm saying. So at the end of that story, that journey for me. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of the year, uh, since the boarding school, everybody goes, the, you know, the rest of the school goes off. So okay. the only people who stay on campus are those right in the GC. Right. And so what happens is the less staff, it's just you guys. You need to manage yourself. So you need to take care of those who are on campus. Right. Which meant, rather than now having a bell, I had to go and talk to them and say, you know, you have to come and get breakfast. You need to come and get lunch. You need to come and right. get supper. Uh, are you all right? You know, are you okay? Because we were about to prepare for the exams and the schools had to do well. So you had to make that. The structures and principles I used to lead and manage during that era had to change to accommodate this new era. So are you are you saying the the, the whip the whip stopped working? Yeah, no, it didn't stop working. It had to change. It was just automatic. It wasn't going to work because everybody was independent at that time. There was no there wasn't any rules and regulations anymore. So right. no one was obeying any rules. If you cared, you cared. You came to school or not. No one would actually punish you. What we're there at that time was to ensure that we write the GC and that we were successful. And so to gain that success, the the welfare of those who were there had to be taken care of. And those who were in charge of feeling had to make sure that happened and that okay. actually changed the dynamics okay. for me. So you, you're saying almost like you you know there's a responsibility that I have. Yeah. And so the the way that you do it, the the system, the thinking, yeah, all this layers. Layers had to, to come underneath the fact that here's that responsibility to get this job done. Yeah. So it's not like suddenly you, you go from the whip cracker to somebody who is really, um, give me a hug. You know, <laughs> nothing like that. This, it's this, a transition, I think. Well, hopefully, yeah, it's a transition, but it's very, very um, unusual for a teenager to, to go through that transition very so fast. quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not saying you, do, you, you know, you you didn't. I'm just saying it. It, it sounds unusual. Well, it, it, I did, I had to because there was just no other way I had to go around. If not, if not, people would eat. Yeah. Uh, they would make. There'll be more complaints. Yeah. It would affect their studies. It would affect their their performance. And I didn't want to bear that kind of responsibility or that kind of you know blame. So I had to change that. Honestly. Okay. I had to. And it was it was awkward the first two days. Someone you've been telling you can't do this. You tell okay now you can do this. <laughs> It was awkward. You had to put yeah. yourself in that position to actually say, okay, this is what it is now. This is how we're going to move forward from here. So at that point, let's, let's move forward past, past the, the secondary school, the boarding school. Yeah. And tell me what, what happened next in terms of your education and development. Oh, that's an interesting one. So in terms of my education and development, I, I had a scholarship. At the end of my just I had a scholarship to study at the University of Bridgeport, New York. Right. Uh, and I was given a half scholarship. 
So I, it meant I still had to pay $14,000 yeah. to go to uni. And I couldn't afford that. We couldn't afford that. My mom could try, you know, raise a few thousand dollars. Uh, but the US, the US embassy in my country wouldn't give me a visa. On pretext that I was not going to go back to my country. So in hope with the school, we kept trying. So we tried for like three times in the year. We tried again the next year. And by the third year, I said, you know, I'm fed up. I can't keep on waiting to be what I want to be. I could do something else. Okay. And so I got a lot of knowledge and information about education already from my mom's experience. And I was going to, I was just going to do education. I was trying to see what we could do with that. So I went and studied education. Uh, I did CSC Biology, Curriculum Design and Teaching. And I graduated. And when I graduated, I started working already. Uh, and, but I quickly realized that there were a lot of issues in schools. There were just so many. I didn't even know where to start. And mm -hmm. so I thought I needed more knowledge. So I decided to go and do a master's. And I did uh, a PhD, I thought. The one thing which I didn't, I kind of like sharing with my undergrad is that the way the schools were designed, kind of running, the way people, kind of, the lecturers taught. Some, not all, anyway, but this is what I experienced. Uh, was more like um, something which you could replicate easily. You could just collect, you could collect the material syllabus and stay home and read and just come and write exams. It would be the same word for word. Mm -hmm. And it would be the same exams I'll repeat year after year, which meant if I collect, I made a collections of all the exams for the last five years yeah. and just put it the exams, yeah. I'll pass, I'll have a degree. Yeah. And for me, I found that very disturbed because education could be more than that. So, so that that's like I've, I've got a knowledge, but no real education, no, no understanding. No, no, you don't. No application. Not nothing. Yet. I just. Yeah. But I've got a. I've got a. Yeah. Yeah. So you find people who are looking for certifications. They have stamps and certifications, but in real life they can't do anything. Yeah. And that's why Africa is struggling actually, because you have many graduates who leave universities, but they can't apply their knowledge in any space because they haven't been taught in their own context. So that for me was. The next phase of my life, uh, and, and it's only once I started doing my masters and PhD that I realized that um, leadership was very important. So let, let's just backtrack a minute. So you, you're talking about not not getting into Bridgeport, yeah, um, and you've you've done your your first degree. Mm -hmm. How take me through the masters and the PhD? Where did, where did you go next? Seeing that one door shut. <sighs> so after my First degree, I went to Cyprus, right. uh, CIIM, it's called Cyprus International Institute of Management. Mm -hmm. It's more of a business school. I think it's created by Harvard. So most of the business school's um, knowledge has been imbibed and you know, permeates their whole culture. And they had a course on educational leadership and management. And most of the people who taught on that course were people from the University of Warwick. And so I kind of liked you know, the quality of knowledge that was being disseminated during those courses. I liked the way they were taught, I liked the way they you know, modeled that, um, those sessions. So, after I finished that, I now came to work. Yeah. Okay, so, to, again, it, it's like, it, it's not a straight line we're, we're drawing here. We're not drawing a straight line. I'm just fast forward so, the story. Uh, just, Talk us through what, what are some of the things you had to overcome right. to, to get one Part. to Cyprus and two, the, the Warwick journey. So the Cyprus journey, um, first of all, wasn't 
I don't know if it was easy or not easy. I really didn't care. I just wanted to study. So I was more interested in finding what I could learn. Because by then I'd become a, a school director. <clears throat> but I wanted to learn how to actually manage a school and create a school that was uh, effective and successful in creating equity for children, accessible uh, materials that could allow them to actually apply knowledge in their context. So you can find you know, plastic or waste disposal around, but people didn't know how to solve the problem because they didn't have the knowledge. So I went to Cyprus, uh, I, did, I did the masters. <coughs> my challenge in Cyprus was my probably my origin, my skin color, and the fact that I was African. So I think I was also still very shocked that till that time, that was 2008, that people, people were racist, that there was discrimination. And then people still thought that Africans had tails, Mm -hmm. And Africans didn't have universities, Africans didn't go to school. Um, people were surprised that you could speak English. Mm -hmm. And um, but one of the things which actually struck me in Cyprus was the fact that I couldn't do one model which was called practicum in educational leadership. I couldn't go to a school because I was not Cypriot. Practical? Practicum in education. What does that, what does that so mean? So it means you go, and practice, you go and spend time as a school principal in okay. school for a while right. as part of your degree program. I couldn't do it because they would not allow me to do it because of my identity. <clears throat> but um, what I learned from it was that um, we could always still learn, even though the, the environment does not allow you to do stuff, you can still learn exactly what it takes to, to become or to overcome or to mm -hmm. learn. And to... Yeah, so I think in Cyprus that was my major concern. In fact, my, the first day in Cyprus when I arrived, I was asking the lady, for, I wanted to ask the lady for a trolley, and when she saw me, she made a sound across. Mm -hmm. It meant she had hardly seen a black person before, and at that time in the morning, <laughs> it was scary to see a black person at the first. Yeah. So it was interesting. Uh, but I had one man, one professor who was very, very. He had he had very good interest in me. He was my supervisor as well, and he said, "You don't need to go to a school. You know, you just read and then ask people questions, ask those who are in school questions, and you can learn more about what they're doing." And so yeah, you know, anything you had which was a difficulty to a journey, you can find another route to it. You know, the key thing is what are you trying to obtain? It's not what are you trying to experience, but what are you trying to obtain from it? And that, that's yeah, I'm gonna stop you there because that's that's a really interesting point. It is what are you trying to obtain versus what you're trying to, what you're trying to experience? Yeah. Now that that's a big statement in itself. <laughs> but I'm sure would have um, sev several thousand words involved in it. Involved in that. Yeah. Um, so the the experience is is, is not going to stop me. It, no. It's the, the attainment of the goal or yeah. the direction or the vision. Yeah, exactly. That that is is <coughs> more important. So yeah. for a lot of people, it's like saying, okay, well, you know, you can have a a a, um, a vision that that is that small. And then you encounter a problem that is that size, and, and right. then you can't see beyond that. Beyond that, yeah. and so you're saying to me, "Well, I've learned to find a vision that is that size. So when the problems come, yeah. or the obstacles come, yeah. I'm still seeing the vision. True. I'm not interested so much in the problems, yeah. the problems or the experiences because the, the vision. vision keeps pulling you forward." Yeah. And I think after my journey, after my PhD, that that started becoming very evident and clear to me. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, just how how did how did this young man from a poor country mm -hmm. who
who somehow got to Cyprus, then ends up in one of the top universities in in the UK. Yeah. How does that happen? Well, by the way, it's CIM was a top university in Cyprus. Was it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry. It, it, <laughs> my, excuse my ignorance. No, no, it's all right. But but yeah. So so you, do you, do you how do you how does somebody go from from that level of, of um, poverty, if you yeah, want? Yeah, yeah, it is a physical poverty, but obviously not Mental. poverty mindset. Yeah. So that's a good point, and that's this is what drives me. So if I look at my background, where I'm coming from, and my story, and the people I've lived with and grew up with, what people see is they're trying to get rich. Right. And always trying to solve the original problem. And so what will happen is you'll find people who will, in that community emerge as a single person who's rich, wealthy, and successful, but the community stays the same. And that journey of perpetual poverty keeps repeating itself in cycles. And so generation by generation will still be the same. And so but you need someone who comes and say, okay, yes, I can come out of it, mm-hmm. but let me put a system in place that enables others to emerge as well out of that system. So how did I get from Cyprus to Warwick? So by the way, I said Cyprus was one of the best schools. It was the best school, and I'll say why. It had the best lecturers from the world that came to teach at CIM. And like I said, it was created by Harvard. So I think I was just fortunate and by, I don't know, this sheds uh, grace or God's mercy. I, I happened to land an admission from that institution just applying. Uh, when I applied, they said, do you have any experience? Because you need experience to actually be a bit. I said, yes, I've been a school director. They said, okay, send us all your activities. So I did send my activities. And I said, okay, yes, there you'll be. <clears throat> you can understand exactly what we're teaching you. And so that's how I went to, to Cyprus. Uh, but how I got to Warwick is actually a different story. Because in Warwick, Warwick wasn't my first choice. My first choice was Birmingham. Okay. But Birmingham rejected me. Uh, it was uh, Professor Christopher, uh, I think it's uh, Christopher Rhodes. Yeah. Right. He went back and said, I don't think you're qualified to do a PhD. I don't think your, your idea and your topics make sense. I'm like, that's all right. So then I had Leeds and Warwick. Uh, I had Aberdeen. And I chose Warwick. And I was supposed to pay fees. I had paid school fees. But what was what was a trick for me was like, it was like a direction, some kind of divine direction. Like, you know, you just go here. And when I went into Warwick, I met the best person in educational leadership in the whole world. He was my supervisor. And so I met from, you know, from just being hopeless and not knowing what to do and meeting the right teacher when you're ready. So I think this is a thing that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I met this very tall man, you know. And from there we've had a relationship which has lasted up to today. Now we're colleagues actually, the University of Nottingham, Professor Tony Bush. Okay. So okay. Um, it's been a journey which I think, when I look back, I ask myself how many children from Cameroon, from the English speaking, have the opportunity to become a STEM professor in the University of Nottingham? Yeah. The chances are very, very, they're not up to 1%. Yeah. And so how can I replicate that journey or how can I create a blueprint that someone else can follow? True, there are circumstances around my life that people are able to copy, but I think there are certain principles in that journey that they can pick up and apply in their own lives. And I think this has been my driver. Ever okay. since I thought of, you know, going through the educational route. So I'm going to ask you a, a very personal question. Mm. Are you a rich man? No, I'm not. Okay. So It depends on how you define richness. Okay. In terms of material wealth? <laughs> uh, well, in terms of material wealth, 
If you count people as, with, as material, then I'll say... No, I'm not counting people. <laughs> We're not going down the, the, the nice, soft, touchy kind of a... Oh, right. How many friends have you got on Facebook kind of oh, thing. No, 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 we're not going down that. I'm speaking of material wealth in terms of ownership of house, land, cars, aeroplanes, whatever it is. I don't think I'll call myself rich in that space because okay. I use my resources to build capacity in people. Okay, yeah. so my point in this is, is going to be clear. So the, the traditional model that you've talked about before is saying, well, I come from a poor country and where what I see is somebody gets out of that pit yeah. and they, they get to this level of material success. success. And then if, if you're fortunate, the guy at the top says, hey, let me put a ladder down so other people can climb up. That's, that's the traditional kind of personal development thing that, that people sell. Yeah. Okay. And you are saying to me, what you are living and modeling is not that. I don't think that kind of model. So it's, it's, not, it's a different model altogether. Yeah. Because it's not that I have achieved a certain level of personal wealth and therefore I can, if you want, tie 10% back into forming the ladder. You're saying I am trying to create a model where I am and we are moving up together. Yeah. So we are moving up together. And then the ladder is being built as we move upwards. Would that be a fair thing to say? Yeah, I think so. I like, I like describing like being in the maze and you give people the right tools to think about how to craft their own journey through the maze. Yeah. Because yeah. we're all in the maze. Yeah. And <clears throat> my my decision at any given point in time might not be the right decisions for you because you might not have the capabilities to deal with what will come up from that decision. Or you might not have the right tools at that time to, mm -hmm. to make that decision. So you need to build capability within that. And so my role would be all right, to become financially you know, secure, to become job-proof, to become socially stable or respectable. These are the things you need to think about. Yeah. You answer these questions and then you walk towards them. It's not like this is the answer. I don't think there's any right answer for anybody. So I think that's the model I'm trying to bring in. It's to give for the capacity to think for themselves reflect on themselves, quit for themselves, act for themselves, make decisions for themselves, and then hold themselves accountable for themselves. Because and if I, you don't, that's that's, that's... that's a big one, isn't it? How you hold yourself accountable <sighs> to yourself. Yeah, because they've sold the first model a lot. Most people sold the first model a lot. So if you, if you keep thinking somebody needs to get up there and send a ladder to you to climb, yes. they are not accountable. I'm waiting for you to finish the, you know, the responsibilities on you who's building the ladder. Okay. But if you're building that ladder yourself, and you're seeing how it's going, you can understand the experience of the journey, then you kind of take some kind of commitment, accountability and responsibility in that journey, in the co-creation of that land. Yes, yeah. I think, for me, that's what I see. That, that's uh, my, my little acronym, that is O. Oh. O-A-R. Okay, what's... Um, so O is ownership. Ownership. A is accountability. Yeah. And R is responsibility. Oh, I have car. I have car. CAA. I have, <laughs> I have commitment, which, yeah. which is commitment, which is dedication and yeah. constraint. And then I have accountability. Yeah. And then I have responsibility. Well, my O must be better than your car. <laughs> oh, we can share it. <laughs> we can share it. We can actually <laughs> modify it. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, the, the, the opposite to that is say, you know, when I, whenever I, I mess up, but I, I stay in bed. Yeah, you said I, that. I, I, I blame. Yeah, I, I make an excuse mm -hmm. and I just do the R, which is to 
responsibility. Responsibility or avoid the responsibility. Yeah, I think most people do avoid responsibility. Yeah. I think that's where the most problem comes from. Like I said to you this morning, I, I, I've, I've gotten to a stage in my life where if I make a mistake, I own it up instantly. Yeah. Um, I don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel ashamed. Because you, you just kind of drain yourself and drag yourself down <laughs> before the world even beats you on it. Yeah. So I won't give them the advantage. So before anybody can hit that, me with yeah, it, I'm I, not hitting myself yeah. with it. I, I just own the, you know, yeah. own the problem yeah. and take responsibility to actually make amends for it, correct it or you know, do the right things to make it better. So for somebody who is who's not as um, wired, if I want to say the right word, or, or mentally capable of doing that or, or emotionally capable of doing that, because come on, not, not everybody can do that. <laughs> What, what are you going to say to the rest of us? <laughs> I like the way you put yourself in that. I'm in that group as well. I, I think it's, I think for me, honestly, Justin, it's uh, at the end of the day, you need to remind yourself you're going to die. Yeah. So you're going to ask yourself, you're going to die. How do you want to die? How do you feel when you're on your dying bed? And so there's something which has to trigger your responsibility or your responsiveness mm -hmm. to say, yes, this is things that have happened. Uh, these are things that I wish could have happened. These are things I can do now to make it realign. Yeah. And that's where that energy comes in to say, okay, I'll gather myself physically, I'll gather my emotions and my feelings, and I'll try and do this one now. So we need to see beyond circumstances of what we're happening now, beyond our experiences, beyond our feelings, beyond our emotions, and ask ourselves what is right. And I think the only question that can, or the only thing, or not only, the only thing actually, some of the things that can point you to that direction is what are the values you're trying to uphold? with that goal, uh, what's the moral lesson for yourself and for others if no one else was watching you? Okay. Uh, uh, how would you feel if that was the last thing you had to do before you die? So once you can actually come to an argument on, you know, which you feel comfortable with, I think you have the strength to take one step forward. Yeah, and that, that comes back, it reminds me of, of that thing about vision again. Yeah. So the vision is, is not even my life no, it's not. time. It's not. It's not. So there's, there's a there's a vision of what I can achieve, okay, mm -hmm. which is temporal, and then there's a, a vision that goes on beyond, beyond. the the yeah. ex existential. Yeah. Right. And you say yes. So whatever time I'm allotted, it fits into a bigger time frame. Yeah. And with with the eye on that bigger time frame, I can now adjust my view of my own time frame, yeah. so it, it pulls me forward. Yeah. yeah. So something needs to pull you forward. So, well, yes, of course, something needs to pull you forward. <laughs> Even though you're staying by the way. <laughs> and the vision is the thing that can pull you forward. And the vision is what can pull you forward. So in, in terms of the obstacles now, because tell me some more about the obstacles you face and how you overcome, because I know you have obstacles. So this is interesting, Jensen. I don't speak problems. I speak solutions. Okay, so well, I kind of remember. I kind so of don't remember. Tell, 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 okay, make, make the, the, the problem this small and the solution this big. Right, which, which where? Which part? And anyone, you, your, your choice. Oh, this because <laughs> the, the, just give me one. A problem, I'm sorry. Uh, I, think, I think one of my major problems has been my family. Yeah. Because it's my biggest barrier, it's my biggest weakness. And why is my biggest weakness? We think differently. Uh, and yet I need to penetrate them, I need to walk through them, I need to walk with them to get to where I'm trying to get to, and they don't see it. 
And mm-hmm. so it's not only frustrating, but it slows you down. I don't really have a solution for that one, to okay. be honest. I just kind of, you know, pull certain things away from them and they do things in, inside of them, isolation, which takes you more time. Uh, it kind of brings some kind of emotional <coughs> pain because the people you love the most, who you want to share with the most, are the ones who will fight you the most. Yeah. And sometimes it's difficult having the strength to even fight back, so you can't fight them back. You just like, okay, just slaughter me. Uh, and that's important to say, yeah, there, there are some issues, some problems that either you you may never solve yeah, yeah. or you may solve somewhere in the future. Mm-hmm. But to be able to almost compartmentalize this thing for now, impossible. which may or may not be possible, but <coughs> or, or walk with it and say, okay, I, I believe enough in the other bits that pull me forward. So while this is slowing me down, down yeah. it is not stopping me. Of course. Yeah. And that, that's a key bit, that, that there are things that will slow us down, Yeah, true. but won't stop you. Yeah. Nothing is stopping you until you stop yourself. Talk to me about Teach Connect now. So you've, 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 you've finished the, the, the Masters, the PhD, and there is a vision beyond simply lecturing, mm-hmm. simply bringing the next generation of, of students who are in front of you. All right, so TC started just immediately as I started teaching. So my teach, when I started my teaching career in like, uh, 2007, I realized, a few, so the first problem was I was given a kind of a mental teacher to guide me. He was doing his third year at university at that time. He'd been teaching for a long time, so he was a teacher. He had done teacher training in Cameroon. So the teacher training colleges, the universities are quite separate. But what I noticed was he had a book, a notebook, which he'd been using for the past four years. It was the same notebook. He, had, he just rolled it, and, you know, it becomes a small mice, mm-hmm. like a scroll. And he walks into class and opens the book, and then children will copy notes. And when they ask if you have any questions, and, and that's it, the class is over. I said, I suppose they go by this class and teach the class. And so when I started teaching that class, um, I had to follow the method he was doing. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I was feeling so uncomfortable. I, I couldn't see myself learning in that class. Because I didn't, in fact, one thing I didn't say as well, I went to university, but I didn't go to class. Yeah, I have a degree, but I never went to a class to, to forum for a lecture. I find Sorry, are you telling me you never went physically in into a lecture? I went only to write exams. So I just went to uni to write. In fact, I actually wrote exams to a point where I started repeating exams I'd written and passed. And I was bringing down my GPA to I met one guy. His name is, I think it was my Facebook post, that post. I met a guy called Ichutambe. And okay. he asked me, are you okay? I said, yes, sir. He says, I don't think you're all right. He said, I said, why? He says, because this is not come, come to my office. So he takes him to his office and says, do you know you're writing CA? So CA is like a continuous assessment. So you know you're repeating CA's and you're dropping your, G, your, GP, your I don't know, GP, your grade something, I don't know how they call the grades. And I said, no, I'm not aware. He says, let me show you. So you've written this exam, you passed it, you've written it again now, you've passed it, but you, it's going to drop because you're repeating it. Okay. <laughs> he says, if you continue, you'll not be able to get it with a good GPA. I was like, oh. I said, so what do I do? He says, okay, you do this, you do this. And we became friends. We're friends today. He's like a brother now to me. 
And that was because I never went to uni. I didn't know what was happening. I only knew the exam dates. Because I found it so boring that you go to a school, you pay fees to go to a school, uh, a lecturer will collect a, a, a textbook, photocopy the textbook, give it to you to read, mm -hmm. then give you an exam for the text, which is, you can find in the same textbook. Yeah. So that's, what's the purpose of the school then? Why do I come to school? I don't need to come to school. So coming back to my story about TC, I saw that happening in secondary schools as well. The second problem I found was, I found very great teachers who didn't have social skills. Who didn't know how to interact with children, who didn't know how to nurture, you know, bring a child to a point where they could actually be uh, comfortable wanting to learn. I, I found people who were abusive, people who would, you know, sell grades, sell marks for, you know, for a bottle of beer, for cigarettes, for sex. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of issues for me, and I was like, no, someone needs to do something about these things. And no one was, no one was bearing to talk about them, because everybody was scared. Well, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid to tell you, this is wrong, this is not right, I think we can do this better, I think. So we started TC as a social group for knowledge exchange. But one of the things I was trying to solve was to break the gap between older teachers and younger teachers. So I, was a, I was a young teacher, a younger teacher then. I was like in my 20s, actually. And I had people teaching like they were like in their 50s and 40s. And I was seeing some kind of a disconnection between the dynamic between these two groups. And I was saying, why don't we come together regularly and talk about Okay. Our teaching methodologies, our social lives, how we behave with students, how we react to ourselves, and how we can help ourselves grow. And they liked the idea, but the key thing was the main premise of the idea was they were coming into that just for the social benefits, so to drink and eat and then share, and that was it. When it came to us discussing deep and real issues, you know, no more will come. So when I did my PhD, I had to rebrand it from what it was previously called to Teach Connect. And what the idea was to actually bring people who could teach each other for us to connect together. Right. Okay. So it was now more than just let's let's get together and share some stories to now let's let's learn together and teach each other. And teach each other. And connect beyond the profession as persons and people in communities. So how how did you shift the mindset of the people you're trying to reach? Because I imagine it. Okay, so you might say, okay, well, we've rebranded re it, but yeah. rebranding it and renaming it doesn't actually <laughs> change much. Change course. anything? Yeah, I think what changed was what changed a lot was the fact that I've now done some data collections by 2013. So I stayed in Cameroon. I went back to Cameroon in 2013 to do data collections. Uh, my premise of my thesis was about job motivation and job satisfaction and how a job is designed and why you work. And then I realized that. Besides being a teacher, you're a human being. So you have human needs. Okay. You have social needs, you have needs for belonging, financial security, all those needs. Then your profession is a little fraction of it. And so when I look at the lives of teachers in Africa generally, they're always like the lowest in society. They're considered to be the poorest. In fact, I went to one debate once, someone was saying his daughter would never marry the teacher because they're poor, they're wretched, they're useless. Yeah. <laughs> you get and I was saying, well, that's a different definition. You know, you haven't met the real ones. And so when I came back from that study, because I, I did my research, I was comparing between an urban region and a rural region. And there's some stark differences around the key variables. So you find like uh, the need for social unit or unity, the, the need for some kind of inclusion about your own capabilities or how you can share your ideas and grow. Uh, I realized that teachers needed money. Mm -hmm. They needed uh, some kind of uh, community service, that way they could belong together, not just union, talk about political things, but service. 
uh, they needed um, professional development a lot in a lot of issues. They needed to have some kind of a resource center. So when I came back to to England, I now rebranded TC and we restructured the whole idea and gave it some more flesh, and it became a, a kind of a very large web, I would mm. call it. And it was and the first day I actually started working on it, I was scared. I used to ask myself, Henry, you're not qualified to do all of this. And I say, hey, shut up, I can do it. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't have it if I couldn't do it. So you have a little parrot on your shoulder oh, yes, saying yes, yes. exactly the same thing like everybody else. Each time each time this and this is beautiful. This each time I'm doing something very massive, I always have that voice who say, You can't do this. And then I'll say, Watch me. Yeah, I've, I've had it four times, and mm. the last time I had it was when I was in England. I was buying stuff for my restaurant. I was about creating a restaurant in Cameroon. So I walk into I walk into the Costco, and to another shop in Cover. It's a big uh, retail. They do a lot of sales. And so I walk in with five thousand pounds, and buying equipment to ship to Cameroon. And then I, as I walk into the shop, a voice says, "Henry, please go back. Go do something with this money. You can't do this." <laughs> and I say, "Watch me." And so that's how carried on with the stuff. If anything, I have any personal yeah. doubt that keeps in, I'm like, yeah, I know you're there. Sit down. Watch us do it. The Holy sure. Spirit's in control. <laughs> okay. So that, that's a key point that I just wanted to just pause on, on a minute or is that sometimes people can watch somebody like you who, who is extremely Listen. focused and, and driven and whatever it is. Mm. And you think, well, this guy has no doubt. Oh, I, I guess so. They're wrong. <laughs> this, this, this guy has nothing that tells him he can't do it. Myself, I do that. And and so it's 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 refreshing to 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 hear uh, for people to know that yes, it this is, is normal. It is. Whatever, it is whatever whatever area you're in, this mm. is normal. Mm. You can't you can't avoid that voice that says you can't. I'll tell you one thing. I think where there's a day. So my my mom, if if my mom approves something I say, it's a big plus on me. <laughs> It's like the biggest, if I, if in fact it's like the biggest win because she's the most critical person who always say, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And so there was a day I was saying, I'm, I'm going to build a lamp. Because we were doing, we were doing, I used to teach chemistry. And there was no lamp. So how do you teach chemistry without a lamp? And I said, I'm going to build a lamp. She's like, how are you going to do it? She's like, we need to find somebody to do it. I like, why need you find somebody? I can do it. She said, okay, go and do it. That's the first time she told me congratulations, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So each time I'm about to do something which you don't find a model existing mm -hmm. around, and people can motivate you to do it. And someone says, you can't, and I have that feeling that says, no, you cannot do it. I'm like, shut up, watch me do it. <laughs> so it's like the two people in me are talking, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I always like to actually allow the person who gave me the initial message to that, mm -hmm. yeah, to bring it up, because we all go through that, with moments where you you feel low, you feel like giving up. I go through that as well, mm -hmm. but I'm saying, no. I'll rest, I'll just take a moment off, but I'm coming back stronger, better. So that, that there is whatever that period of time is, yeah. that, that you're listening to, to yeah. this, or you're feeling low, or whatever it is, there's a period, that's a normal process of, yeah. of having to go through True. that process, yeah, and you can't avoid it. Yeah. The, the, the problem is that if you stay in that for too long, it heads out. Definitely. And you, you know why? Because the world is already telling you that. Yeah. 
So you only reinforcing external messages in the world that become part of what you accept as yourself. If you, if you're not strong enough, you're going to bind to it. So one of the the, the words that or one of the phrases that you just mentioned there, I want to touch on, was the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so for you, there's a sense of a spiritual yeah, dimension. Like yes, there is. That that is might might even be your secret ingredient. I would say so. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll so, say so. Tell us about that. All right. So first of all, I've had people who said, "Oh, you have a good anointing," mm-hmm. you know, and, and I say, no, "I'm not sure." And, but what I would say, I have. Sorry. What, what do you mean a good anointing? What is that? I don't know what it is. Someone, people tell me. <laughs> yeah, I have a pastor. A pastor say. Oh, I see, young man. Yes, you you have you're you're anointed. You know, you have some. Kind uh, of does that mean you're special? I don't. Maybe it means that. Maybe you have the Holy Spirit in you. I don't know. But, but yeah. But this is what is strange. So, in terms of my professional life, where I've seen people struggle, make you know, stress, to get doors open for their mind is always open and waiting for me, and that's not by my making. It doesn't make me more qualified. So, I should say I was the only person in my team when I was working in Malaysia. Who had not had publications? I not published anything. I just left my my PhD, but then I was working on a project from from the University of Nottingham, and that could have been done by the grace of God. And when I resigned from Malaysia, by the time I resigned from Malaysia, Nottingham, UK, it was like, you come over. I had people in my team who were more qualified and who had more publications, but they were not selected. I, I don't know what I did. So the thing. The things that I've survived as well. So I've survived so many things. You talk about problems. Right? So problems don't exist in my world because I've survived all kinds of things. Accidents, being, yeah, I fell in a, in a, in a pile of syringes. I had all kinds of stuff. But what has taken me through and which I now believe very strongly that God is behind me. And So when I go through difficulties, people say, oh, I'm sorry for you. I'm like, please don't be. There's somebody standing behind me who is way bigger. Strong and who can take me through, and this for me has came out very truly. Uh, I think from the last last two years, 2019 and 20, when I was going through a divorce, that for me changed my life significantly because I actually started seeing God manifest Himself in, in the way things were happening for me and the way things were being things were evolving. So we need to we need to appreciate the fact that beneath or above what we see spiritual realm that is in operation that is actually taking place that is actually you know orchestrating things for us uh, what it's saying is do you believe do you have faith do you trust me you know take the first step and I'll catch you in this one so for me it's not circumstances uh, I don't see if I have any problem around me I'm like well that's fine okay that's happening so what do we do next what's our next step why because I'm, I'm counting on an ankle which is bigger than what I see okay so um what I hear you saying is almost like, okay, there, there is God who, who cares, is yeah. concerned about guides, yeah. um, is behind you, backing you all the way, yeah. um, and you see problems in front of you. Yeah. But you're not telling me, well, okay, so I have this big guy behind me, he's looking after me, there's the problem, <sighs> i just wait. Well, That's not what you're saying. No. You're, you're saying... He's behind me, he's with me, he's for me. There's a problem. I just keep going. I <laughs> go yeah. okay. Unless he says wait. <laughs> Unless he says wait. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we need to know how to listen to God's voice. I, I think he speaks to us. Mm-hmm. And 
when I started believing it was when I started the book eight project. So on three nights consecutively, I dreamt about something. And on the third day, the thing happened. Someone just came and said, Henry, I'm moving out of this country and I need to get to, to America. But these things, I think I have to give them to you. I think you know what to do with them. This is money as well. To, 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 <laughs> and I started looking at her like that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that's God's working. That's not my work here. Because <clears throat> first I didn't ask her. I didn't tell her about it. She knew what I was doing anyway. But um, I think God has a way of stepping before us to address the things he has placed in our hearts to do. Yeah. He's always saying that if you believe and you can do your part, I'll fulfill the promises I've made for you. Uh, that's my belief. And this has always worked for me. That's why I tell people, anything I'm doing, it's not economic value for it. I don't do that because of one way. I don't do because I want you to know me. You don't need to know who I am. You know, just trust that God's going to walk through this thing and he's going to save you. He's going to, yeah. So, because he's come through for me. And if he's did that for me, why not, why not you? I'm not, I'm like the worst person you find on earth. And if I can calm myself that, you know, what not about you? He will do it. If he can take care of the birds, what not about me? Yeah. That's my belief, Jensen. Yeah. So, in terms of where you're moving forward now with, with the Teach Connect. Mm. Teach Connect is how old now? 13 years. 13 years. Yeah, officially. officially. 15 years on, you know, in the making. Um, and so, just, just as we sort of end this, this, this um, journey that we're on for this, this episode, give us a little teaser. Teaser. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's complicated. <laughs> I know it's complicated because you've heard me say I have no understanding what you're doing because yeah. there's so many strands that you, you chuck at me and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, there is, there is, there yeah. is. And so maybe a, a, a few little teaser of what it is or where it's going to. Oh, where, yes. So what it is is a simple thing. It's a single concept. It says um, teach people how to learn. And how they can solve their own problems, and how they can build communities and build love from those communities and grow together as one. And so, how we do that? It's um, we walk through different forms of professional life, and um, we kind of focus a lot in schools or what education is all about. But the whole thing has just has just been um, <laughs> a seed that was planted for education. So it started with the teacher at the center of how you could become a professional teacher, someone who could actually create a culture of positivity and possibilities in the minds of children and spark creativity. But then it became the individual's teacher, their social life, their financial life, their professional life, you know, and other elements of their life. And so TC has emerged as a very complex unit now where we look at finances, mm -hmm. your financial unit, we have money lab. We're actually looking at creating the microfinance, a bank, <laughs> where teachers can save money, they can grow their money, they can invest in projects, and they can rent and they can borrow money, peer-to-peer -peer lending. We're looking at having a public library, which is something we've had for a while. We're looking at having a training center. We're looking at creating a QAA center, a quality assurance center for schools, where they can actually have an index where they measure their performance based on how they're developing. Uh, we're looking some something similar as well for enterprises, so if you want to become entrepreneurs, who want to become an investors, 
and finally, we have people who are trying to just develop as individuals, whether it's Ignite, we're trying to see how you can actually go back into your story and find out the things that you know, enabled you to find your inner hero, build that inner hero to become somebody more successful, more elevated, have more purpose in your life, have more meaning. And finally, we're, we're looking at uh, building a leadership development center, which is a key premise that as an individual, you must know how to lead yourself, you must know how to lead others, lead teams, lead communities, and probably lead a nation. But that is based on moral principles and particular norms. Okay, so even what you just said here is like, in my mind, several um, yeah, units, volumes of an encyclopedia. It, it is, it is massive. Um, so when I I don't know if I was showing the building. So when I designed the map for the office in Boya, yeah, 2016, it has four floors, more than 28 rooms on each floor. And I sent my mom to go and visit. So this is my mom. My mom is like a very credible woman, like very determined. And she goes and she calls me and says, "My son, what are you building here? What are you trying to do? <laughs> this is so big." And I remember telling her this was the smallest thing I can conceive as of now. So I have a friend in Malaysia, his name is uh, Andrew, he's, he's Australian by origin. He has a space called Mindspaces, something similar like TC. But what he's dealing with, he's dealing with just the Excel framework of TC, which is about teaching schools and inclusive education, people with disabilities and all of that. And he has a village, and I call him, I need a country, I need a whole massive, where you can have different units, people specializing in different things and doing different things. And then having two or three units where you have a crossbreed of all those things, an interdisciplinary approach of all you make those things to actually reflect what the society needs at any given point in time. So you don't need to import beds from China in the hospitals. We don't need to import medicine from India. We can find them because the lands are blessed by those. Mm. Very nature by what God created. So what we need is the knowledge. You know, we need the wisdom. We need the counsel. We need all those things to actually build. And I think that's what we're trying to to learn. So, this is a physical building. It is a physical building that exists now. Yeah, we have. We, we just had a roof in it, actually. Right. Um, so it's it's not just to be clear that that all these things you see are not just conceptual. Uh, they're not concepts. <laughs> no, 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 no. These, these are, are ongoing projects. Projects. Yeah. Are, are different stages of growth, but they are beyond beyond the drawing board. Yeah, they are behind So we've we've taken ten years to to approve and validate the TC model. So it's a model which I can tell you it works anywhere. But if you're looking at building a center for kids for creativity and design, we have a model. You're looking to actually help people get jobs, we have the model. Financial institution, we have the model. So we've kind of validated the model for what we are doing. So we and that's why we're now public. And, and this is why I, I when I, I say to you I'm gobsmacked. It's not, not because of all these things that are possible, mm -hmm. but it sounds to my limited understanding that the time frame has, has shrunk down for some of these things in that it's, or rather it's accelerated. It's like time's accelerated. The, the, the things that you're doing, um, which we've not touched on, yeah. um, have moved forward at a pace that seems to be faster. Just even using the word validated and I understand validated from from the science perspective and from the not so much the business perspective but in order to validate something yeah takes a long period of time yeah it does
it does. And it takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort. resources as well. So yeah, in terms of money, uh, <coughs> I always say to people, you can play with anything, but don't play with TC because I spent my whole life on it. I spent my whole my whole life on it. Uh, what I mean validated, I mean all the models we've designed in terms of learning, in terms of things we can do and transform children into adults who can create stuff for themselves. Yes, we've done them, we've modeled them, they've yielded results. Result which actually makes me proud and I keep investing in that because I've seen the results. It's not something I'm thinking about, it's no longer okay. a vision, it's something which I've seen happen. And I think we need to just make it more visible. Okay. And this is what this is about. This is what it is about. And this, so, and this is actually why I also designed, so I can actually spend time yeah. building this up myself. So, um, Henry, it's been a pleasure. Thank you um, for making me talk about this. <laughs> it's the first time I'm talking about it, actually. And like I think it won't be the last, or it shouldn't be the last. Well, because for me, um, I, I see a man who is, who's got concepts, but able to transform the concepts from the invisible to, to the, the visible. visible. Yeah. and to continue to move it forward. So mm. it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, and I'm, I'm very, very um, privileged myself. And just as we end, Henry, where do people find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, I guess. Okay. Kovya Henry on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, or Henry McCullough, which is my other names. Right. <laughs> very <Okay>. confusing. <laughs> uh, it's my publishing name, actually. So I publish my books in secondary schools as Henry McCullough. Okay, we won't go into the yeah, publishing we'll, we'll, one now. We'll go into that. Yeah, we'll stay, we'll stay, we'll, we'll, we'll stay with, 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 with the broad so concept. You can, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. I think that's the only place I can be for now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Teach Connect has a website. Yes, they do have a website. So, I'm not Teach Connect, though. I try not to be. No, but you're uh, contactable through Teach Connect. Oh, you, yeah, you, you can contact uh, the team. You can contact them. You, so, you can contact any department. You have the Ignite, which is ignite at tc or you can contact Enterprise Lab, which is enterprise.tc.org. You can contact Research Center, which is research at tc.org. You can contact TC itself, which is info at tc.org. Excellent. Yeah, I think you said you can contact the, the Teach Studio as well, which is like the studio at studio.tc.org. So, hand me personally, I try not to be TC. One of the things I have not liked is, comp is people who design organizations and make them about them. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not, this is not me. I was, I was given the idea. Okay. And I think it's to raise other leaders. So even if I don't want to connect hen to Henry, I can connect to TC. I'll be, I'll be glad that you can connect to TC. Share your ideas, share your thoughts, tell us where you don't agree with what we think, where we're doing well, what we can improve on. We, we are here to learn. And so on that note, that's a really important note, that, that please, as whatever you're listening, wherever yeah, you're listening. Wherever you're listening from. Connect and share. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you.